Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm happy to welcome those of you who feel comfortable coming back to the room. We're glad you're here, and we're certainly glad to welcome uh, all of you who are joining us online. We stream on three different platforms, and thank you for sharing the services with your family and friends. It enables us to reach literally thousands of people during this time of uh, this pandemic. In fact, we call the series Expect the Unexpected because it seemed to fit with the year we've had, right? I mean, what else? <laughs> and so when you look at the Christmas story, you see there are so many unexpected events that happen. I mean, from Mary and Joseph having their lives ordered, they thought everything was going to go according to plan. All of a sudden, right in the middle of that is the angel, and here's an unexpected twist and turn. And throughout the Christmas story, you see unexpected events that continually happen. So don't feel like you're alone. If you're facing something that you didn't plan, you aren't expecting, you weren't anticipating, and it suddenly hits your world. Because the Christmas story reminds us of the fact that God is right in the middle of those unexpected events, that nothing catches him by surprise. God is a God that does everything with purpose, for purpose, on purpose, and there's even a reason that you're here this morning, there's a reason you're watching this morning. God has a purpose for you, he has a purpose for me, and so our point is to find his purpose because then life kind of makes more sense. You can kind of connect those dots in that way. So this series is all about helping us understand and comprehend how God works in the unexpected events of life. And in a lot of ways, we've talked about how this is a heart series, a heart series, this holiday series. In fact, we talked the first weekend out about how to have joy with a stressful heart. You know, your heart can get stressed this time of the year. Your heart can get overwhelmed this time of the year. So there's a way to have joy with a stressful heart. We talked about that. Last weekend, we talked about how to have um, a real peace with a troubled heart. How Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. And you can have a troubled life with an untroubled heart. What goes on out here doesn't have to get in here. And we talked last weekend about how that can happen. Well, this weekend, I wanna take another step and I wanna talk to you for a little while about how to have comfort with a broken heart. How to have comfort with a broken heart. Now, you're well aware when I speak of the heart, I'm not speaking of the muscle pumping blood within our chest. I'm speaking of the heart that the Bible speaks of when it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, where he says, trust the Lord with all your heart, where he says, um, um, believe in the Lord with all your heart. So your heart, when you think about it in that way, your heart is your intellect, it's your mind, it's your ability to think about things. Isaiah said, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Let's think about this, let's talk about this. Christianity is not um, an enterprise where you check your brain in the car and let somebody think for you. It's a very reasonable thing, it's a very logical thing. You, you, part of your heart is my ability to think. And the reason that is so important is I go in the direction of my thoughts. I'm here because I first thought myself here. I'll do what I do after this because I think myself first. So your mind always leads your actions. So the second part of your heart is your will, your actions. So it's my mind, it's my will, and the third part of your heart is your emotion, your emotion. 
And so all of these things go into the fact that we, we are led by and we are living by the, the uh, tenets of our heart, the values of our heart. And here's what I know, and see if, if you agree with me on this, that anything you use all the time is likely to get broken. If you love your family with all your heart, you love them every day, every moment of the day, you love your significant other with all your heart, you love them every day, every moment of the day, you love what you do with your life, you love life, you embrace life, you love it with all your heart. Listen, anything you use is subject to be broken and when you lead your life according to your heart, as we all do, your heart's subject to be broken. There's no one that is exempt from a, a broken heart. Everybody in the room and everybody watching could talk about the broken heart experiences of life. Some of us are there now. Some broken experiences you never really get over, you find a way to get through. And so we all can relate to this idea of a broken heart. And here's what I know about a broken heart. It changes you. No one who has ever had their, broke, uh, their heart broken came through the, uh, the, the situation the same person. A broken heart will always change you regardless of what your heart was broken over or who broke your heart. Or maybe you broke your own heart by a, you know, a higher expectation or by a mistake or a, a choice that you made. But you, 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 don't, you don't go through a broken heart experience the same. Now some people, they become sensitive through the experience. Uh, that's a good outcome to be more sensitive to people around you, to be more sensitive to relate to people who are hurting around you. So to be sensitive, is, is, that's not a bad outcome for a broken heart. But I've seen some people become more cynical. You know, kind of the old thing, burn me once, shame on me, burn me twice, shame on you. <laughs> that's not gonna happen to me. In fact, I, I've known people who go through a broken experience, you know what the tendency is? Because we always have a natural tendency to protect ourselves. We isolate and insulate. We pull in, we pull away. Someone said, I decided I would protect my heart by putting my heart in a concrete vault and burying my heart deep within the earth, not giving my heart to anyone ever again anymore because I cannot bear the feeling of having my heart broken. But after a period of time, the person who said that said, the problem with taking your heart and placing it in a steel vault and burying it, thinking you're protecting it, is that it isn't long until your heart takes on the characteristics of its surroundings and your heart becomes cold, and your heart becomes uncaring, and your heart becomes dark. When you read what the writer wrote in Romans 14, seven, it says, none of us live to ourselves alone, none of us die to ourselves alone. God didn't design us to live apart from one another. He didn't design us not to be connected with one another. As painful as all that can be from time to time, and as subject to brokenness as we are from time to time, he still designed us to need each other. And so we are to understand that though my heart can get broken and though my heart is changed and it changes me through the experience, I can't prevent my heart from being broken. Are you aware that the American Heart Association has actually identified a syndrome that they refer to as the broken heart syndrome? Uh, it, it, it creates a, a, a condition within the heart, a cardiomyopathy within the heart that is brought on by extreme stress or deep grief. And I mean, scientists and doctors have discovered that on, not only does a broken heart have an effect on us emotionally, and not only will a, a pastor like me tell you it'll have an effect on us spiritually, but they'll also tell you that a broken heart can affect you physically. 
So how do you deal with the broken heart? If, if my condition is brokenness, what is the treatment? Well, I can give you the biblical treatment and it's all wrapped up into this word comfort. There is a comfort that can treat the condition of a broken heart. There is something that God provides, as we're going to understand this morning, that can help us navigate through the brokenness to pick up the pieces to make a difference, even though we have gone through something that is devastating and difficult uh, to navigate. The Apostle Paul had been heartbroken over uh, disappointments with other people in his life, betrayal. And I guarantee you there's people in the room and people watching me right now who would say, my broken heart was brought on by someone else. Something else, someone else, something that they failed to do, something that they did, something that they said about you that was not true, something that they posted, someone who walked out of your life, somebody has hurt you in some way and has broken your heart. Well, the Apostle Paul had that experience. He had told this church at Corinth, look, when I get off this missionary journey, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna spend time with you guys. We're gonna have some great experiences together. And he doesn't show. He doesn't keep his word. So they assumed the very worst. Well, he's, you know, he's supposed to be this Christian and he's supposed to be this leader and he told us something that he didn't do. So what kind of leader is he and what kind of Christian could he be? And they, they immediately went and made the worst assumption about the Apostle Paul. And, and people do that. From, I know people who don't go to church anymore because they had a bad experience with people who go to church. Look, I'd have quit church too a long time ago, but in my line of work, it's not really good. I've told you before, if you've never been hurt in church, you just didn't go long enough. Hang in there, baby. Somebody will run you down with a cross around their neck and a Bible under their arm. Some of the biggest disappointments you'll face in life come from people you least expected it. So I'm just suggesting to your heart and mind, just be forewarned, just to be forearmed. So just be aware of that, know that. The devil's gonna hurt you. He's not gonna have an enemy come at you. More often than not, he'll have somebody close to you. Maybe somebody has your access code. <laughs> Maybe somebody knows your PIN number. Maybe somebody, when they come around, your dog don't even bark and your cat will sit in their lap. Somebody close to you. So I'm just saying, understand that. That is a reality, it's, how the, it's a tactic. It's how the enemy works. And I'm just saying that when your heart is broken, the tendency is to pull in, pull away, but it will have an effect on you. It will affect you emotionally, it will affect you spiritually, and it could affect you physically. Why? God didn't design us that way. So Paul writes to the church and he says, listen, here's why I didn't show up. This, is what, this was what was going on with me. I was beaten and left for dead. Hello? I mean, it's a little hard to show up when I'm in ICU. <laughs> it's a little hard to keep my word when somebody just beat me and left me on the side of the road. So they assumed the very worst. And he, maybe he could have done a better job of communicating. They had a failure to communicate. <laughs> but the point I'm just making to your heart is sometimes your heart can be broken by the people in circles that are closest to you. And sometimes that's the most difficult thing to navigate through. But the Apostle Paul did, and he shows us something in these two verses I want to share with you before we go home that are powerful because he talks about how he found comfort to deal with his broken heart. 2 Corinthians 1, if you have a Bible, if not, take a look at me uh, with me on the screens. The Bible says in verse 3, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said he is the Father of mercies 
And note what Paul said, he's the God of all comfort. He said he comforts us in all our tribulation so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now let me break these two verses apart and let's talk a little bit about how, how to have comfort for a broken heart. Number one, consider this. Paul points out who is the comforter. Number one, the comforter. He says, and this is how he describes God, he said he is the God of all comfort. Now let me suggest to you this morning that Paul had seen Jesus as his savior. Acts 9, on the road to Damascus, when he didn't know God, he hated God. He was trying to destroy anyone who believed in God. He hated Jesus. He was aware of the crucifixion. Uh, and, and yet he was going out trying to destroy anyone who was trying to do this thing called the church that Jesus had established. And in the middle of that in the middle of that experience, there's a light that shines from heaven. There's a voice out of the light that says, Saul, why do you persecute me? And when you read the narrative, he recognizes the, the voice. It's the voice of, his, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And on that road to Damascus, uh, Paul, or his name was Saul then, God changed it to Paul, but he experienced a conversion. And my point is, he knew Jesus as a sin forgiver, he knew Jesus as a savior. But in this experience, he doesn't refer to him as, a, as the God who is my savior, though he is. He doesn't refer to him as the, the God who has forgiven my sin, though he had. He said he's the God of all comfort. Because when your heart is broken, you'll see God in a different way than you've ever seen him before. It was only when he was de de devastated and it was only when he had gone through the brokenness that he saw an aspect of God that he had never seen before. He saw him now as a God of comfort. I love what David writes in the Psalms. He said, Psalm 34, verse 18, listen, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. There's a tendency people have when you have a friend or someone you know that have gone through a devastating experience, they don't know what to say, so they say nothing and they stay away. And sometimes when you're going through a hard time, uh, you, you, you kind of wonder you know, uh, about you know, who's in your world and, and who's uh, praying for you and who's pulling for you. Sometimes you can misread like Corinth did with Paul and Paul did with Corinth. And sometimes in the broken experience, you can misunderstand one another. And David was saying, my heart has been broken and I've learned something about myself and I've learned something about other people and I've learned something about God and here's what I learned about him. He said, he's near to the brokenhearted. Man, when your heart is broken, the spirit of God moves right into your world. In fact, he's the friend, the Bible says, who sticks closer than a, a brother. He's the friend that will come into your life if every other friend walks out. He has promised in his word, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. And I've explained this before, but let me explain it again. That's two different things. When he said that in Hebrews 13, I will never leave you means I will never remove my presence from you. I will never forsake you means I will never physically disconnect from you. You can be physically connected to someone you are not emotionally connected to. You can be emotionally connected to someone you are now not physically connected to. And Jesus said, when it comes to your experience in life and my relationship with you in life, I will never remove my presence from you. I'll never emotionally disconnect from you. That's why he said in Hebrews 4, 5, we don't have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. 
He was in all points touched and tempted as we are. The difference is he was without sin. Listen, you don't have an experience in life that you go through that your heavenly father can't relate to. You may be going through something right now you haven't talked to anyone about. You may be feeling a depth of brokenness in your life that you don't feel comfortable talking to anyone about. But can I tell you, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Can I remind you, he doesn't leave you and he doesn't remove his presence from you, that God is with you, he is drawn to you in your brokenness. The God of compassion. Compassion, it's an interesting word. When you break it apart, compassion. Passion is to feel, calm means with, to be with. It's to bring passion, it's to bring feeling, it's to have a connection, an emotional connection with another human being when that person is broken. Let me give you a beautiful thought here this morning. Concerning our comforter, there is no experience that he will allow you to go through or there's no experience that he will send you through that he is not already there. He won't send you through anything and he will not send you anywhere that he is not already there. Genesis chapter seven, verse one, when God told Noah and his family and all that would be willing to do it, he said, hey, come thou and all your house into the ark. It's the first invitation in the Bible, by the way. But the beautiful thing about Genesis seven, one is what God didn't say. He didn't say go you and all your family into the ark, because that would indicate he was on the outside telling them to get on the inside. Now, had he said that, I'd still been happy with it. I mean, how long can you tread water? <laughs> so I'm just suggesting you that would still been okay with me, but that's not what he said. He said, come, meaning he was in the ark. He said, I'm in here already, come and join me in the ark. So he, you, you can't go anywhere. He will not send you anywhere that his presence is not already there. Remember the three, three Hebrew uh, teenagers in Daniel 3 that Nebuchadnezzar, the wicked king, threw them into the fire to destroy them because they wouldn't recant their faith? You remember what he said after a period of time? He said, didn't I throw, didn't I throw three guys in the fire? He said, I see four. And then he said, the fourth it looks like the son of God. God could have kept him out of the fire, but you know what he did? He went into the fire with him. He could keep us out of a broken situation, but sometimes he doesn't. He just goes into the brokenness with us. When the psalmist wrapped his head around how God works, he said in the 139th Psalm in the eighth verse, listen, if I go up to the heavens, you're there. He said, if I make my bed in the depths, you're there. He said, if I rise on the wings of the dawn and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. There's nowhere you can go to escape his presence and he will not send you into anything that he is not already there. What did Paul say he found when his heart was broken? He found a comforter. He saw him as the God of all comfort. Do you have that? Let me give you the second thought. Not only the comforter, but number two, he talked about the comforted. The comforted. Notice what he said, who comforts us in all our tribulations? Now that's a blessing to me because he didn't say who comforts me and my. Because that might lead me to believe this was Paul speaking specifically about God dealing specifically with him in that circumstance. But that's not how he phrases it. He said this God that comforted me will comfort you. This God comforts us. 
The comfort I experience, you can experience. The comfort you've heard others say that God has provided for them, he can provide for you. What God does for someone else, he can do for you. And I love this, he said he comforts us in all our tribulations. Not everyone goes through the same trouble. Not everyone has the same brokenness. Not all of your hearts are broken over the same things. Some of you are relational and some of it might be physical and some might be financial and and some might be the loss of a loved one. There, There are a lot of things in life, as you know, that can break our hearts. So he doesn't specify. He just said, when your heart is broken, know this, he's the God of all comfort. He's the God of all compassion. He will not fail you. He will not leave you. He said, he comforts me. It's an interesting word. The word comfort means to strengthen. The word comfort means to encourage. You know what happens when your heart is broken? It drains you of energy. It's hard to function. It can take you into a depression where you don't feel like getting up and facing your day because your your heart is broken. It's hard to describe to someone if they haven't experienced it, how it can just drain you of energy. And all of a sudden you find yourself discouraged. You're just discouraged. It's hard to find energy and it's hard to find enthusiasm. And what comfort is, comfort is strength and comfort is encouragement. It's the two things that counterbalance the two negative things that hit you when your heart is broken. Encourage is to put courage back into you. When you're discouraged, the courage has gone out of you. When you're encouraged, he puts courage back into you. And it's all wrapped up in the word comfort. The Latin word for comfort is fortis. Fortis, we get the word brave from that. Brave. Brave enough to face life again. Brave enough to take on new challenges again. Not because you're over the brokenness of your heart and not because you've healed up from the brokenness of your heart. It's in the midst of your brokenness you found a strength that you didn't have through your comforter who is comforting you and he's giving you the encouragement and the strength and the courage you need to do the purpose he's called you to do. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. There's a blessing that comes with mourning. He taught this principle in John 16, in verse 20. He said to his disciples, you're going to weep and you're going to mourn. You're going to have a time of sorrow. But then the thing that brought you that sorrow will be the very thing that will turn that sorrow into joy. Now, let me explain what he meant by what he said. He was saying, I'm going to a cross. I'm going to die on a cross. And when you see me there on a cross, you're going to weep. You'll mourn. You'll sorrow. But when I come forth out of that grave and you see me ascend to my heavenly father and the Holy Spirit descends and indwells your life, the very thing that brought you sorrow will be the very thing that brings you joy. I've told you before, I believe there are some broken experiences in life that have brought us sorrow that we won't experience that joy this side of heaven. I am convinced of that. In fact, I think sometimes when we are looking for answers and we're demanding that God gives us answers, he doesn't do it. You know what he does? He gives us assurance. It's not answers. He says, I'll give you my assurance. And that is the thing that has brought you sorrow one day, maybe only in heaven. But one day, the thing that has brought you sorrow will be the very thing that will bring you joy. So you have the comforter and you have the comforted. Let me give you the third thought. Then you see the comforting. 
the comforting. Notice what he says. He says, this happens, this comfort, so that. Everything God does in your life has a so that. This happens so that can happen. This happens so that can happen. This happens so that. It's, it's never an end to itself. God is moving us progressively from one place to the next. Psalm 35, the steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord. Life's a series of steps. Each step you take, new levels come new devils. Each step you take, there are new challenges, but God is moving us progressively along. And I'm just suggesting to your heart that he is doing something in your life. And sometimes he does things through, in our lives uh, through the brokenness. Paul is saying, I experience comfort. And you can experience the same comfort. And I've come to realize that the reason God gave me this comfort, let me read it again, is so that we might be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. How do we do it? With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Paul said, when my heart was broken, God comforted me. And because he comforted me, I now have something I can help you with. Listen, you can't give what you don't have any more than you can come from where you've not been. You know what happens when your heart is broken? You experience something that other people who hadn't had the hearts broken, they haven't experienced. And what you get from that experience is you get some wisdom, you get some insight, and you get some help to help somebody else in your circle that may be coming behind you that need what God gave you. You know what I found? Oftentimes the people the Holy Spirit will use to provide comfort are, 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 are other people in my life. Sometimes he divinely and supernaturally provides the comfort and he does that, but sometimes he divinely and supernaturally provides that comfort to other people. That's why it's important when your heart is broken that we can't insulate and isolate because we may be staying away from the very people God has sent into our life to help us navigate this. Some of the best comfort you'll ever receive is the comfort that God can use in and through other people. That's the value of the church. That's the value of the church. You know what a church is? It's a collection of broken people. It's not perfect people, are you kidding me? If you ever find a perfect church, don't join it, you'll mess that thing up. <laughs> There's no perfect churches. They don't have perfect pastors. There's no perfect people. The best any of us will ever be are sinners saved by grace. And anybody else that tries to spin the church any other way are just blowing smoke. We're just imperfect people. In a church like this one, we're made up of a lot of broken people. When Cindy and I started the church, and a handful of you guys are here that started with us at Carroll High School, this next year will be 25 years, believe it or not. One of the things Cindy and I prayed for is that God would give us, give us a group of people who are just messed up. And look around, isn't that great? Just an answer to prayer. God bless you. It, it, that's the people Jesus came. You remember when he was at the going away party of the tax collector who was part of the, you know, the, the first century mafia, more or less? Yet the guy received Jesus as Savior, and Jesus goes to the going away party, the retirement party for this guy. And you can imagine what kind of party they were throwing. And the Pharisees stood out the window, and they looked inside, critic, look at him. He's sitting in there eating and drinking with those sinners. Jesus gets up from the table and he goes out and he says, I did not come to call self-righteous people to repentance. I came to call sinners. The Bible says, and they meant it as an accusation. They said, he's a friend of sinners. Jesus wore that as a badge of honor. 
Can I tell you one of the reasons most churches are more, not more effective at evangelism and reaching the lost is they haven't realized the fact you don't reach people till they get reachable. The sower sowed seed, some fell on stony ground. Some was lost, but some took root. You know what, you know what fertile soil is to sow God's word into? It's a broken heart. It's a broken heart. Can I tell you what I know about our band, what I know about our vocal team, is every weekend you're here and every weekend you're watching, you're hearing worship from some broken people. If you knew their story, as I know their story, I can tell you they've been through some broken stuff. And can I go a step further? And say anytime you're here or you're watching and you hear me speak, you're hearing somebody who's broken. One of the things I prayed for when Cindy went to heaven a little over a year ago is that God would show me purpose, you know, to help me connect a few dots, throw me a bone. <laughs> I mean, you know, we've been together since we were 17. We raised each other and now she's gone. And so I was looking for little things, trying to find purpose. Back before COVID, BC, before COVID, <laughs> BC had a guy catch me and he said, man, could I talk to you a little bit? I said, sure. He said, my wife and I came and we visited your church and he said, we really like it. And he, and he said to me, he said, um, we're going to be moving away, but we want to come while we're here before we move. We just kind of want this to be our church. But he said, I want you to answer a question that my wife and, kind of, and I had kind of a discussion in the car after we heard you speak. He said, you, you don't have to go into detail, but I just want you to answer this question. He said, you've been broken over something. And I said, yes, sir, I have. He said, I don't need to know what it is, but here's what I want you to hear me say. He said, a few months ago, my wife and I lost our son. And we decided then and there, we'd never go to a church or listen to a pastor whose heart had not been broken. And for what it's worth, that comes across when you speak. It's got in the car and I just said, thank you, Lord. It's just a little bit, but it was a dot that I was able to connect. And I've kind of come to terms with the fact that part of the purpose of the brokenness of my experience, hopefully, is to make me more effective at encouraging you in the brokenness of your experience. There's an ancient Japanese art, it's called Kensakuri, where the Japanese artisan will take a, a vessel that has been broken, won't hold water, won't hold anything, it's broken, has all cracks all through it. But they'll take that vessel and they'll melt gold and they'll pour gold into every crack of that vessel. And in the brokenness of the vessel, the brokenness is suddenly illuminated. And what was broken and thought to be useless is now a valuable piece of art. You know what? Your effectiveness is in your brokenness. Your effectiveness is in your brokenness. It's the most powerful thing about you that God can use to help somebody else because people don't get reachable 
until they're broken. And God can use your brokenness to reach somebody else. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word that never returns void. And in this holiday season, I pray for my friends watching and those in the room who may have a broken heart. This time of the year, it's a wonderful time of the year, but it's also a, a, a difficult time. It underscores and reminds them of that brokenness. So Father, help us to realize there is a treatment plan for a broken heart. It's called comfort. You're a comforter that comforts us so that we may in turn comfort those. I pray our church will always be a safe place for people to land. I pray that we'll always be able to point people to you, the comforter. And I pray for my friends this morning who may have never trusted you as savior, that this might be that moment when they swallow their pride, they humble their heart, and they say, Lord Jesus, with all that I know about me, I trust all that I know about you. Come into my heart and forgive my sin. Be a reality in me and bring me comfort. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.